Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Freshfields Financial Services Insight Series. In this episode, we're focusing on the rise of the individual retail investor in financial markets. And as I'm sure you're all aware, investment by individual retail investors is enjoying a huge boom at the moment. Analysts have estimated that retail investors account for on average 20% of all US stock market activity, and that's up from 8 to 10% prior to the pandemic. In the UK, retail investment market is rapidly growing with more than £200 billion under management by retail investment platforms. And there are plans in the UK, largely driven by Crowdcube, to launch a platform for retail investors to participate directly in IPOs. In the EU, the DLT pilot will shortly allow retail membership of securities exchanges, thereby allowing individuals to hold the shares that they buy directly without the need for chains of subcustodians and central securities depositories. So there's a lot going on, all leaning towards the ability of individuals and retail customers to access and to deal with the financial services markets on their own without the need for banks and other financial services intermediaries. The growth in in the retail investment and direct participation in financial markets also raises a number of interesting issues, such as the factors that may be driving this change in the financial markets, the legal and regulatory issues arising from them, and the opportunities and challenges for firms operating in this space, particularly in the context of regulators being keen to both foster competition, but also protect the consumer. I'm Cyrus Pocher, a financial services regulatory partner based in London and co-head of our global fintech group. And joining me for this discussion are my colleagues, Sarah Robinson, a senior associate from our dispute resolution group in London. Hello. Tim Mack, a disputes partner based in Hong Kong. Hi, everyone. Martina Delin van Weingarten, a disputes partner based in Frankfurt. And Altin Seeler, a senior associate in our disputes group in New York. Aye. Sarah, perhaps we could kick off with a question to you, and that is really, what factors do you think have led to greater individual trading in the stock markets, which I think is probably one of the most often understood indicators of the rise of the individual's participation in financial markets? Yeah, sure. One of the biggest factors which has led to greater numbers of individual retail investors investing in stock markets is the emergence of app-based trading platforms. One of the fundamental aims of fintech firms has been to remove friction and lower barriers in financial systems. And these trading apps have certainly done that. They've significantly lowered the barriers to share trading, allowing individuals access to live markets and allowing them to purchase shares from their phones at the click of a button. Trading apps have helped to drive this increase in retail investors via a number of innovations. One of the best known trading apps is Robinhood. It disrupted the market by making trading free and having a user-friendly interface and other platforms followed suit. And trading apps now offer commission-free or low commission trading as standard. This change led to a big increase in investment activity by retail investors. Trading apps also offer direct access to the markets without the need for intermediation by firms providing investment services. And trading apps also allow investors to trade fractions of shares. 
many individual investors would be priced out of buying, for example, Amazon shares, which trade around $3,000. But allowing people to purchase fractions of shares means that even investors with limited funds can own a piece of some of the most sought after stocks. So the use of trading apps has been cited as one of the factors which has led to the phenomenon of meme stock trading. Meme stocks are stocks that attract a lot of interest from investors and experience large increases in trading volume, not necessarily because of the performance or the fundamentals of the underlying company, but because of other factors such as people hyping these stocks online and on social media. And in a number of cases, trading in meme stocks has led to volatility in the price of the shares that are being traded. There have been a number of high profile examples of this phenomenon of meme stock trading this year. The dramatic increase in the price of GameStop shares, which started in January, is probably the most famous example. And GameStop remains one of the most heavily traded meme stocks many months on from the initial saga. However, the US cinema chain AMC Entertainment has now taken over as the most heavily traded meme stock. Its share price has soared by over 2,600% this year, despite the fact that the company was on the verge of bankruptcy earlier this year. And Blackberry has also been the target of meme stock traders, with its share price climbing over 30% in May and June. In January, at the height of the GameStop trading activity, there were big increases in the numbers of individuals opening accounts with trading apps. In the UK, there was an almost 400% increase in the number of people opening accounts compared to the previous January. And this was part of a wider trend which saw a record increase in new joiners to those apps in 2020 as a whole. The use of trading apps could be said to have democratised the equity markets, allowing retail investors to participate more easily in share trading, and many see that as a fintech success story. However, it has also raised concerns amongst regulators about the potential gamification of investment and the need to protect individual retail investors from the risks of trading, which we'll come on to later in the podcast. The gamification point is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because certainly when one looks at what's been going on in the UK, I think there's been a real sense that some of this investment hasn't been driven by the need to generate steady income, but actually has been generated by a degree of wistfulness over some brands that people were familiar with when they were were perhaps younger, or indeed simply people with time on their hands as a result of the pandemic looking for ways of new forms of entertainment effectively. And these app-based trading platforms being there at the right time to provide a form of entertainment. And obviously you can see that being incredibly concerning to regulators to the extent that that phenomenon is here to stay. What are the developments that you see that you think have contributed to this change in the way individuals interact with the financial markets and the way that they see their ability to participate in them? Well, one of them is something that you've just touched on, which is the COVID-19 pandemic. The impact of lockdown and tighter restrictions on what people have been able to do, particularly during the earlier part of this year, has meant that many people who have been fortunate enough to retain their jobs amidst the pandemic have had, as you said, more time on their hands and more disposable income as well. And some of them have decided to spend that on investments. As the world emerges from lockdown, however, people may start to find that there are better ways to spend their time and money. And it's possible that this increase in popularity of investing amongst retail investors might slow as a result. 
Other factors, however, suggest that the increase in retail investment could be a much longer term trend. One of those factors is social media and the role that that plays in retail investment. Research published by the FCA in March found that a younger, more diverse group of consumers is getting involved in investing, prompted in part by the accessibility offered by trading apps, which I just talked about. The FCA's research found that this group is often reliant on social media for tips and news about trading. And social media has also played an important role in meme stock trading. Wall Street Bets is the name of a Reddit forum on which users discuss trading. And the use of this forum has been cited as a key driver of the interest of retail investors in GameStop, AMC Entertainment and BlackBerry shares. And another factor which appears to have led to this increase in retail investment is political or ethical motivations for trading. In the GameStop situation, there was a strong anti-Wall Street sentiment amongst the users of the Wall Street Bets forum with many of the investors in GameStop seemingly motivated by a desire to take aim at the hedge funds and cause them losses. It was well known that a number of hedge funds had taken large short positions in GameStop. And as to ethical considerations, I mentioned earlier that the FCA's research has found that a younger group of consumers is getting involved in investing. This is evidenced by the big increase in the number of young people using trading apps. I mentioned before that in the UK, there was an almost 400% increase in the number of users this January. Well, that number was even higher for young people. For people under 24, the increase was more than a 1,000%. And young investors in particular appear to be interested in sustainable and ethical investments that align with their personal values. And so those are the key factors that appear to be driving the increase in retail investment. Yes, really interesting and when one thinks about those drivers you know it's hard to see in some ways that any of those subject to the pandemic will really be going away anytime soon so it certainly feels like this is a trend which we will see develop and certainly what we're seeing in the EU in relation to the DLT pilot again seems like the direction of travel is pretty clear and regulators across the globe are now grappling with what that might mean for the financial markets if this really is a fundamental shift in the way that individuals are able to access markets. Exactly. I think that's right. I think factors such as social media and the use of technology and the way that they have played a role in retail investments so far does suggest that this is a trend that's here to stay. Alton, perhaps I could bring you in here and think rather specifically about, you know, what legal and regulatory issues might be raised by meme stock trading. Clearly, where individuals are acting independently in making these very small purchases, you know, perhaps on one level, one might think that the impact is rather limited. But I think what we have seen with GameStop and with other examples is that there does seem to be at least an ability for there to be a sort of concerted effort in some of these cases. That sort of strikes me as as raising some quite interesting legal and regulatory questions when it comes to how regulators look at this type of activity. Yeah, you know, all of these events have raised questions about whether individual retail investors trading amounted to market manipulation and about the forces of supply and demand in the market. So a number of regulators have opened investigations into GameStop trading activity and the other meme stops, uh, including here in the US, DOJ, the SEC, FINRA. It's still pretty early in this process, but it appears regulators might be primarily focused on protecting individual investors. Uh, so they may be focused on other issues. And the SEC has indicated that they want to take a closer look at 
some of the things that you were talking about, the gamification aspect and all that, uh, as opposed to looking at market manipulation. And that's for good reason. Regulators are likely to face a number of challenges in establishing that individual investors have manipulated the market. So I think there's three challenges that are worth highlighting here, both legal and pragmatic. First, there's no obvious deception. So to establish market manipulation, U.S. securities laws require some type of fraudulent, deceptive, or misleading statement. This doesn't obviously apply to individuals trading in GameStop or the other meme stocks who were investing for reasons that were unrelated to GameStop's underlying financials. They were investing because they believed in the company, they disliked hedge funds, they thought it was funny, or some combination of all three. Um, and second, in the U.S., the U.K., EU, and there's a number of key provisions that relate to market abuse that require that in order to establish market manipulation, the conduct in question has to result in an artificial price. But it's not clear whether the price of GameStop or some of these other stocks were artificial. The price did reflect actual supply and demand, even if it was untethered to the corporate financials. People actually wanted to buy they actually executed trades, and they actually took on risk. So that might be a requirement that's difficult to meet. And third, and finally, just as a pragmatic matter, there might be an issue of too small to jail. So it, it may prove uneconomical, ineffective, or simply too complicated for authorities to identify and investigate individual retail investors. You know, typically, larger institutions and their employees are generally more attractive enforcement targets than individual retail traders, even the very successful ones. Uh, there is a caveat, of course. Individuals who profited while engaging in clearly fraudulent or misleading conduct, like urging others to buy when they were selling their own holdings, uh, would be more attractive to enforcement targets. So these are just some of the issues that regulators might face here, but there are a lot of things that are going on in the mix. Yeah, I think that last point you made is really interesting That where I, th I think it must be right that regulators will still look to pursue obvious cases of pumping and dumping, for example, even if the forum for that might now be app-based or through a web forum. But it does strike me as being incredibly difficult for financial regulators to start looking at these things given the different motivations that are now coming into play in the retail space. And so the point that you made around what do you mean by an artificial price? It may be a price that is completely unsubstantiated by the company's financials. It may be a price that's completely unsupportable by the commercials. And yet sentiment or a degree of groupthink, as you say, means that the supply and the demand does actually change, resulting in quite significant price increases. We see similar things in relation to some crypto assets as well, where there is often a popularity element to whether certain assets increase or decrease in value. Martina, perhaps if I turn to you and We've heard from Alton some of the regulatory and legal challenges that this type of behaviour raise. But what other challenges do you think that regulators face in relation to the increasing participation of individuals in the financial markets? Developments in technology have made it easy for individuals to invest, but it is also easy for them to lose money. 
Brokerage apps give individuals access to leveraged trading and option markets, which were previously the preserve of institutional investors. A number of regulators have made clear that they are concerned about the risks posed to individuals by trading in the financial markets. In the UK, for example, in January, the FCA issued a warning to investors to use extreme caution and to be aware that buying shares in volatile markets is risky and investors can quickly lose money. The surge in retail investing by financially vulnerable younger people prompted the FCA in March to warn against high-risk investing using investment apps. The FCA is concerned that many individual investors do not realize the risks and consequences of investing. The FCA's research reported that four out of 10 young people do not appreciate that losing money is a risk of investing. These younger investors may also have the lowest levels of financial resilience, making them more vulnerable to investment losses. In France, the AMF has issued a warning about the very high risks associated with any form of stock market speculation, in particular encouraged by social media. The European Securities and Markets Authority, ESMA, has urged retail investors to be careful when taking investment decisions on the basis of information from social media and other unregulated platforms. Both the AMF and ESMA have welcomed the way in which online investment platforms have democratized the financial markets, but identified that they also raise investor protection concerns. The AMF chairman said in a speech that these platforms offer new ways to distribute highly risky and leveraged products without proper safeguards and noted that intermediation through firms providing investment services has benefits for investor protection purposes, given their duty to offer proper advice and the corresponding suitability requirements. ESMA has called for a review of zero-commission trading and the use of investment apps combined with the gamification of investing. Regulators are also concerned about individuals in investing in crypto assets. In June, the FCA warned consumers about the risks of investing in crypto assets and crypto asset-related products, saying that consumers should be prepared to lose all their money. The FCA has clamped down on Binance, the cryptocurrency exchange, ruling that it is not permitted to undertake any regulated activities without the prior written consent of FCA. The FCA's powers are limited, however, by the fact that Binance is not UK-based. This is part of a wider regulatory pushback around the world against crypto exchanges. In Canada, the Ontario Securities Commission has issued notices to a number of crypto exchanges in relation to their alleged violation of securities laws. Binance exited the Canadian market in June. The Japanese Financial Services Agency has warned a number of crypto exchanges, including Binance, about offering crypto asset investment services in Japan without being registered to do so. 
Thanks, Martina. That's really interesting. And I think so far, we've been looking at this question from the point of view of the regulators and the challenges that this type of behaviour might impose on them. But I suppose there is also another important constituency in all of this, and that is the financial services firms who themselves are involved in the financial services markets and therefore to some extent may be viewed as either facilitating or feeling the impacts of this type of behaviour in some other way. And Tim, what do you see as the challenges that face these firms in meeting the new demands from individuals and in dealing with some of the risks that they may pose? Thanks, Cyrus. I think the answer is that there are probably a variety of challenges. I guess the first bucket would be practical challenges. Now, what I mean by that is that uh, retail demand can be often volatile, uh, as well as difficult to predict. And as Sarah mentioned earlier on, demand can often be shaped by trends and what's fashionable at the time, and indeed what's on social media. So it's often unpredictable. Uh, Demand can also come and go quite quickly, depending on what those trends are. And then I guess the second point is that there are clearly regulatory challenges Dealing with individuals uh, can be very different from dealing with institutions. And in many respects, that can entail greater risk when compared with uh, professional investors. Now, this is obviously important because market regulators tend to be most zealous when they're protecting the retail market. Uh, It's where the consumer protection focus is most needed. So questions which arise there are numerous. So, for example, have retail investors been given all of the information that they need in order to understand the products in question uh, and what they're letting themselves in for if they buy those products. Do they need help in making an informed investment decision? And if so, have you helped them uh, in making a fair, reasonable and balanced approach to that question without any conflicts of interest intervening? Now, these are all questions that you need good answers for if you're dealing with individual retail investors. But that must get really challenging, mustn't it? Because If you're helping a retail investor make a rational decision or having to satisfy yourself that the decision being made by the retail investor is in their best interests, this new layer of consideration that seems to be taken into account, for example, nostalgia or humour or some of the other things that Alton mentioned earlier, that must make it incredibly difficult for firms to indeed satisfy themselves that those investments are suitable for the underlying retail customer. That's absolutely right. Uh, And everything, unfortunately, boils down to context. And uh, if anything does go wrong, regulators obviously have the benefit of hindsight in looking at uh, who should have done what, when and how. So it it can be quite an interesting and, uh, and difficult area. There are clearly some challenges for financial services participants in this space. But I suspect there must also be some opportunities for firms in helping to service this new wave of retail investing. Do you see that as well in terms of potential opportunities for regulated firms? Uh, In short, yes. Now, I think the bottom line is if you ignore the retail market, you're really practically missing a big part of the market. So um, if you're looking for, for opportunity, then that may be one area where you might be able to find it. Now, retail participation, I think it's fair to say, seems to be increasing. Uh, and that's not the only thing that's increasing. Sophistication is also increasing. Retail seems to be um, 
uh, moving up the learning curve there. Uh, and we've seen how collectively retail investors can really wield quite significant market power. Uh, retail investors, I think, also like innovation. So, frankly, those who can cater for that demand will find themselves well well placed to take advantage of the rise of retail. Yeah, that must be right. And that theme of innovation, both in the context of existing participants, but also in the continued rise of new apps and new fintech products, which further enable individuals to play an active part in the markets, I think probably means you're into a virtuous circle, if you like, in terms of where this is going to go in the future. I mean, I think the question remains whether the current boom in individuals participating in the financial markets will continue, certainly at the rate it currently is, and as the impacts from the pandemic perhaps start to subside. But leaving aside the pandemic, the other factors that have driven the current surge in interest, so you know, new technology, growth in social media, zero commission trading, fractional trading, all of these things appear to me to be here to stay and do point to a longer term phenomenon. And there are clearly challenges for regulators as to how to keep up with the technology that allows individuals to access markets and how to ensure individual investors are protected, particularly in the absence of intermediaries who would traditionally have provided advice to individual investors. And perhaps that picks up the point, Tim, that you were making earlier, which is, yes, these intermediaries are going to have to have satisfy their own regulatory obligations when dealing with retail. But actually, perhaps the future may be less and less or fewer and fewer of these intermediaries. And when you have a scenario where retail investors are directly interfacing with the financial markets without any intermediaries. Now, actually, perhaps that puts them in a more dangerous position. But I think whatever the long-term outcome, firms that provide investment platforms or otherwise allow individuals to access financial markets will need to ensure that they're still protecting individual customers, particularly where those customers may be considered to be more vulnerable, whether that be in terms of age or sophistication. So I think There is a lot more to come in this space, both because I'm not sure I see this trend significantly slowing and also with regulatory moves to actually further enable the rise of the individual in participating in the financial markets. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you all over the past 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I'm sure we could have carried on for a lot longer. If you would like to hear more thoughts from the Freshfields financial services teams. There are lots of other blog posts and other content available from Freshfields TQ, which can be found at freshfields.com. Thanks very much for listening. (music) 